guess what time it is. 12.45? Yes, sir. All right. January 1st. Dude, this is the first 12.45 of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, welcome back to this episode of After Session, a podcast dedicated to talking about the world's greatest role-playing game. Today, I'm joined with Nick. Nick is my friend, fellow Dungeon Master, and a great player. He has a wealth of experience running the game and playing as well as a great mind for tabletop role-playing games in general. Right now, we're 40 minutes into the new year of 2021, so excuse any fireworks in the background, but today we're giving a talk about Warlocks, and more specifically, their patrons and our experiences with them in our games. Nick, welcome. Thanks for being here. Hello, sweetie. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> so one thing I wanted to talk about to lay a little bit of groundwork is what makes the warlock. For those of you who don't know or like may, might have some questions about what differs some of these spellcasters from each other, uh, warlock, sorcerer, and wizard are usually highly associated with each other. But the warlock has a few different things that really sets it apart from the other two one of these is spell imitation warlock uniquely doesn't have a lot of spells to cast i think it actually has like the lowest in the game just outright even across like some higher level one-third casters and half casters mm-hmm. it has the role play aspect of it which is characterized mainly by its patron which is what we'll be talking about later in this episode and then you also have its eldritch invocations which are the class specific warlock perks that really can flesh out a character and how you want to build it i really wanted peter on this podcast and i'm sure we'll have him later down the line to talk about this Peter is our resident warlock player, and as his saying goes, like two warlocks could walk into a bar and have nothing in common but Eldritch Blast. So I wanted to talk to you, Nick, and I wanted you to first give your take on the warlock as a class, but also uh, we're going to be diving into the patron and what it means to, like how it can change your game and also can, what the player can use the warlock patron for. So just give a, a, a synopsis, uh, like a take on the class. Uh, the Warlock class, as you said, is one of the special casters. I mean, I feel like you can have, it's like four distinct groups of like types of casting. This is where you have known spells and then you have spell slots to cast. Then you have the entire list at your disposal, like a cleric or druid. And then you can pick from those for the day based off like wisdom and level and then you got like your half casters that usually like go up to like level four spells by later in the game warlock is so strange it is so strange i've i was originally like man this class only gets two spell slots for the entire like one through ten level of play you know i didn't see it it said uh you recover on short rest though so, yeah, I think that this is the most versatile. Like, up next would probably be, like, in my head, a bard or a ranger, maybe. But with this, especially with some of, the, like, the additional subclasses in 50 that has come out, you can become 
this long range, heavy damage dealing spellcaster, this control mage warlock, or this martial frontline tricky warlock, which I think Brian likes a lot. And, you know, I've actually, strange enough, I've I've had one warlock where I've played three different types of styles with it and had I, three different patrons involved in the same game and all before level four. So warlocks are crazy, man. Yeah, I have to agree. I think it was interesting what you said about like the versatility of a warlock. And that's really like a hallmark of the class and I think is a big reason as to why the player base is so avid. I think amongst all the fifth edition classes, the Warlock has like the most devout player base of like, hey, like I'm going to play a Warlock. I don't know what it will be. I don't know what role it will fulfill in the party, but I will be playing a Warlock no matter what. And a lot of that is because you can make a Warlock kind of like into whatever you want for the most part because of their Eldritch Invocations, their Pact Magic and all that stuff. But also because of the malleability of the class, it doesn't get old for a lot of people. And I think a big part of this is like the patron. I think the call signs of a good patron, at least in my opinion, for when I've had like Warlock players in my game, is the the patron who is for those who don't know the patron is the person who imbues the player character with these like powers um that allow them to cast like cantrips and spells and have all these special abilities so they're a pretty big part of like what the class is and i think the biggest part about these patrons is one they have to kind of give a shit about the pc they can't just like spout their favor all over the place they kind of have to like have an invested interest in like, hey, this guy is like my guy. He's like the, the the potential me on the come up or like me getting clout or me getting what I want. He gives favors. He like does stuff for level ups. He gives lore and side quests or like side objectives to the character. And the patron itself adds depth to the warlock. And I think that's what a lot of people like is the fact that you have this arcane creature who has enough power to siphon a little bit and gift it or like make a deal with a mortal and have them wield that power for their own benefit Uh, it's called a patron because they ideally get something in return and so one thing i wanted to ask you is we've already gone through what a warlock is and like its versatility but i really wanted to ask you about the the patron specifically because i feel like the patron is a abstract part of this class it can be as malleable if not more than the warlock in general so what is it for you that makes a good patron and how would you run it in your games i usually have to collaborate with the players a lot and what they expect from their patron if they leave it vague and they don't like it that's on them but there's there's so many routes you can go with patrons the you can go to like the subclass of the great old one where this like ancient entity you're chosen by them they fuck off for a while one night they creep up on you and like hey i need you to sacrifice 10 virgins or something (laughs) or you can have one that's you know a guide in some way or ever watching i guess you can say and those ones are the more interesting ones i think 
the thought process that comes to mind is say an archfey warlock the patron can be chosen as like this all-powerful archfey from like one of the many courts there or you can stumble along a hag in the middle of the woods decide to make a deal with them and gain your powers there so what i usually look for in creating patrons for players is you know if they say they want like space from the patron or something like that i'll give it to them but i like to really involve essentially what is an npc that has this unique place of in role playing with the other characters and players comes to mind is warlocks that i ran a game for which is actually our friend peter um who sadly is not here as the resident i'm gonna play a warlock guy he had a hexblade a while back and i made what seemed to be this like kind of mysterious normal guy that would appear out of nowhere and disappear in thin air I had like the choice in making him super present or fucking off. And I it kind of ran into such dilemmas with, you know, the rest of the party and the character themselves, which is a great narrative standpoint. You know, in some cases, I feel like warlock patrons always come back to bite you in the ass later. Well, let me ask you this. Where do you think a patron fits into the world? Because I think what you said earlier with like collaboration with the player, I think Warlock almost more than any class, I would say, needs this collaborative storytelling between the dungeon master and the player character, who their patron is, what their objectives are, what they believe in like whose side if any they're on um these questions and even like a little bit more in-depth ones that could be more specific to your world can really shape who your character is but also like what they're trying to do in the world and so i wanted to ask you because patrons are very nuanced inherently because they're intelligent beings who have a lot of power and are then also giving it to a player character with the expectation that they get something in return. It's like an investment almost of power. Where do you think the patron fits in the world and in the storytelling of a campaign? What I always think and what comes to mind is uh, the greedy desires of the patron will always bring them to like the material world and to people just to like mess around or something I don't think any patron is this like beloved deity and will I don't think they'll ever change their ways and when I say greedy that could be not just like material possessions from the world like gold or some dumb stuff like that but you know there's influence that they hope to acquire or actual material things except a bit more on the extra planner or heavy on the magic side I guess I'm saying another would just be uh it's a simple one but it goes back to the influence thing where I would think some patrons are just like ah fuck it let's get crazy with it but yeah I would say that when patrons come in to a world that you're running in a game most of the time their reasons are for a bit of influence that will always uh, benefit them yeah they have their own agenda so to speak they're they're like their their own third party 
you know, I would look at uh, what patrons, the books and stuff actually suggest, like Pact of the Infernal Demons, Devils, and Powerful Pit Fiends, or you could make a contract with this lesser demon. That when making a brand new one, it's easy to choose anything and just have it kind of like, oh, it's there. But as a DM, the it's there is a big factor for them. But one thing that has happened that I do enjoy is seeing players roleplay seeking out the power of a warlock, going out of their way, say, to multi-class to find this other thing that could grant them powers that, that they may not think they're they're good enough as it is. So they reach out to something else that could bring them more strength and flavor i guess to the party yeah i i agree with this and it also has like a lot of roots in folklore if if you want to think about it as like at least for american folklore i always think of like devil at a crossroads i can't be enough to satiate like my needs or my wants in life so i have to like make a deal with this very intelligent very savvy being and like get their power but at a price and whatever price that service is is something you're willing to give up or forego in order to get this power to accomplish a different goal and i think that's extremely potent especially for a backstory um but also maybe even even more so in active play of like damn we've been getting our ass beat like i'm a second level fighter or whatever i'm a second level paladin and i just need an extra oomph to like get over this hump and stop getting my ass kicked and so you like you go try to find like this ritual you try to like you study in a library or whatever you study at a like a local academy and figure out like what this thing is all about how you can maybe summon them how you can gain their influence And one that can be exceptionally useful whenever you're trying to flesh out your character and what they're about. And two, it's great story for not only that character, but also for the party in general. But one thing I will say is that uh, whenever a character or a player decides to be a warlock, it introduces a pretty interesting situation for the dungeon master of you now have a player intimately or at least more intimately than you had previously thought interacting with this being that is at least of a demigod level something that is actively powerful or maybe even passively powerful it can like it's locked in a tomb with this extra planar demiplane and it can only siphon out some energy and give it to you and you're acting in its place Whatever it may be, the lore for the warlock is extremely malleable. It can fit to whatever you want. There is a, an insane amount of ideas and possibilities that you can undertake. But just the like as a dungeon master, you now have to think. It, it kind of changes the game of, I now have this being who is a god with a small g, or a demigod, or even a normal god who is maybe not worshipped on, on these planes. You now have to like figure out like what their mythos is, what they're about, what they're looking to do, why they would come to this character. 
And so it introduces a lot of depth, not only for the player who is actively trying to interact with this being, but also for the dungeon master who needs to figure out like what place it has in their game. And so one thing I wanted to ask you is what campaigns would you run a more hands-on warlock where they're almost like best buds or like talking all the time. There's basically not divine intervention, but pretty close to of they give advice. They're slapping their hands on the back. Maybe they're the sword that they wield even, and they can actively talk to their patron versus where you'd maybe want to run a more hands-off approach to some mysterious being where they maybe even either have to figure out what their warlock patron is and how to deal with them or patron who is more just like chaotic and wanting to spread their influence without like having to really care in my idea i think the hands-on patron would show up for a character or in a character's backstory if they're at their lowest point or something so going back to our friend peter and what i did for uh his backstory it was not not exactly original or unique. There were dead parents involved, but not knocking on his backstory there, but I wrote him a little something and I said, that's when you hear a heavy thud in front of you and a shadow coming over you blocking the sun. You look up and there's this man and there's this large gothic looking scythe laying before you and thus the pact was made. And that's just one example that has been done. I know worked pretty well. Obviously, you have to talk to your players about it. But I think that someone that's at their bottom and needing help from their backstory or something, that's when you put in a hands-on patron. But one that, you know, I think is a bit more, I guess, greedy to say. When they're looking out for power and searching for it, I feel And the logic I'm thinking is that those patrons that are found that way are kind of known for doing that. So they may have tons of warlock packs already existing in the world. The more hands-off ones? Yeah. Or one person is granted something every hundred years by this deity out in the middle of an ancient forest or something. So there's the ones that search for... For their power, I usually like to think that it's a more hands-off, definitely more arrogant and thinks they're above kind of the natural world. And the last kind of like situation I can think of for patrons is the accidental making of a pact. And those ones are unique. And those ones kind of have that mystery part you were talking about. And at that point, you got to talk to your player, like what they're looking for with their like quest in your choice of becoming a warlock and whatnot. And then, you know, the creative juices hopefully start popping or rule books have out their suggestions of, you know, what type of pre-made patrons. Like I was stating earlier, you know, those arch phase from, you know, the summer court or the Sealy or crazy powerful entities from like the great old one the gulak pack gotta give me some goo so one of the things that i would say is that 
a lot of the hands-on or hand-off approach for Warlocks will be t- communicated either directly or indirectly by the Warlock player. I think a, a player who wants to be very a part of what their Warlock is doing will tell you. For example, I think this might be the only Warlock that I've ever ran for as a Dungeon Master. Actually, no, that's a lie. This is the second or third. He's a genie patron. And the genie is very interested in all of these weird commodities and like strange magical items. Not even, they don't even have to be magical. Just like weird collectibles and stuff, which is a pretty fun thing for me because I get to play him as kind of eccentric guy who really just likes collecting a bunch of stuff. He's almost like a hoarder, but the warlock just judging from like the backstory and stuff really wants to say like hey i got you this stuff and in return whenever he gives me this stuff i'll give him more powers okay hey like you found me this weird set of cooking utensils and also this strange rock so i guess here's another eldritch invocation for you or some people would just say like hey i kind of wanted this mystic power and I sacrificed a lamb at this weird set of monoliths, and now I'm a gulak. And I think that maybe not even the explicit takes, but the non-explicit takes will usually tell you what kind of patron a player is after. And that can be something that is pretty critical for how you run the game. One thing I will say about the warlock as a player character is that it can be common for them to become a little bit of a main character. And the reason why I say that is because they have a weird position in the party because warlocks in the rules as written. I know a lot of people like to use intelligence for warlocks and that's fine, but rules as written, most people play them as charisma casters. And so they usually have like a way with words in getting people to do what they want for them. So like persuasion, deception, performance, stuff like these can make someone the face of the party, so to speak. I kind of don't like the idea of the face of the party. I like everyone engaging in role play and especially interacting and stuff that's important. I don't like them saying like, oh, hey, this person's like best with words. So we'll put him forth no matter what. But the warlock can fill that role in a lot of parties and not only that they have a knack for these charismatic pursuits they also have this entity that is usually specific to them and a part of their game is it's almost like a mini game with them and kind of a character that they only interact with and you kind of need set aside time for as a dungeon master in your game is if you want to liven the game up. And so Nick, I wanted to ask you, what are the challenges for both players and dungeon masters in running a warlock and running a warlock patron from your experiences? I think the biggest problem is in the dungeon master side is involving the patron a lot in like the party politics and stuff like that. Just the little influences, you know, I know it's like, look at your phone. Hey, hey, Brent, look at your phone. And then I have sent like a text message of what the patron says or something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's 
I feel like that's just the DM kind of influencing where things go. So I try not to have a patron suggest something to the player. They will tell them that it's something that they want them to do, but they will never kind of uh, be that reliable to the player. And on the player side is, I don't think mechanically there's too many problems with it. People complain about the limited spell slots and the spell lists that you get. Just take a short rest, brother. Yeah, take a short rest and fucking homebrew which spells that the fucking warlock gets. It's not rules as written for everything. But as like the game plays out, the warlock tends to take center stage a lot in a party composition cuz you know if that patron requires their their little helper to do something now and then then you kind of put the spotlight directly on them and it's just the rest of the party hanging out in the back which isn't that fun for some players when i've played in a game with another warlock there is intrigue that i find but like other players a lot of players I know are like, when is it going to get to me? I want to be cool right now. So, in Do you think that, they're like, running like a, a tandem warlock of like different patrons adds more to the game than it detracts? Because I know a little bit of it slog the game and make it slow down because you have to have these intimate interactions with the players. But I also think that these conflicting or at least not the same warlock patrons can add a little bit of tension in the group, which I find is cool and also can set up for different dilemmas and also options for the group and characters to undertake. So what is your take on, I guess, multiple warlocks in a group? Do you think that's better than just having one who can potentially just evolve into like a face or like a main character for a group? Or do you think detriments of slowing down the game and pacing outweigh that? I think with any character that has like a higher entity helping them, there will always be some sort of clash between those. Someone will remark on it or you can use that to your advantage as a DM. But having two players of same class with a similar patron in mind, or not similar, uh, different kind of background in mind wouldn't be a problem that's just like having a sorcerer and a warlock in a party or a bard and a sorcerer when people talk about you know faces of parties because this motherfucker over here has got 20 charisma and i've got eight i think and also has like a plus like 13 modifier or whatever the hell he wants right yeah you can do the smart choice but it's up to the players really if they want to have that face of the party there's nothing stopping them and in the end the dm may want to talk to their players about it or find some way in game to uh distance that face of the party as like a warlock or something and force other players that they have to like come forward and talk or have to come forward and do something to move forward with the quest or the job or whatever they're doing. Do you have any suggestions for that? Because I think in my personal play, it'd be weird, but also as long as you can justify it with plot, it, would, it could like make sense. Oh, it's like, well, they're only going to talk to 
a monk because they belong to a monastic order and they're honorable yeah, and they're just stoic. What, just what the NPC kind of involved respect. If it is that, you know, deceiver or kind of like shady individual, of course, they're going to talk to a man who's made a patron with an archdevil or something rather than a paladin who upholds the holy laws of the world and that stuff. So yeah, honestly, you can find a lot of unique scenarios where a warlock can't shine in that situation. I've seen it done and I've seen it done frequently, actually. When I mentioned earlier at the beginning of this thing, I had that warlock, you know, I had a lot of moments in that game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I fucking made two pact agreements from levels one to three and already had like a beginning pack. So I, of course, I was doing crazy shit, talking to a hag and getting a pack from them and then redoing the original summoning pact that I had to do, but this time with a little bit different. But honestly, that shit was, I... I had the way I played my character, who was kind of like a, not like a mad scientist, but more like a, someone who who works outside of what's right, and but knows what he wants to complete. Doing that, I ran quite often into, I guess, legal troubles. I ran into people that my character was like, who the fuck are these people? And ended up getting my ass beat for it. And I definitely had the highest charisma out of everybody in that party. And there was like eight people there. And I I did not shine for a lot of it. I was dusty and rusty as a warlock. <laughs> not not a not a great face of the party, I would say. So going away from those uh perceived low points, what has been your best or favorite moment while running a warlock or running a warlock patron? I know my myself specifically, I have not played a warlock in 5th edition. I'm fairly novice when it comes to the class and the knowledge about it. I know some people are extremely learned in the ways of the warlock. I've had way more experience running for warlocks and one of the the things that I enjoyed was almost like giving a player kind of an ultimatum that was tied in with their final quest. Uh, basically, post-campaign, here's what's going to happen. Here are the rules. You're going to serve me after you're done taking down this douchebag. And so that kind of like gave stakes and also showed them the end was near and Although I completed all of these tasks, I still have some debts to pay. And that added some good closure for the player, which I thought was nice. It, it rounded out their story. And so that's been my best experience with running a Warlock patron. It was a Thunderbird, by the way, for this basically electric lad. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what is your like best or favorite moment from either playing a Warlock and interacting with a warlock patron or just running a warlock patron as a dungeon master as playing a warlock i've had it's not really yay i'm a warlock look how cool i am it's more like yay i'm playing my character but also i i am a warlock so it's never been other than 
the moment where I regretfully shook hands with the hag with that one character, which I thought was like a cool scenario, which the DM actually gave me like inspiration for. I'm like, oh, thank you. (laughs) That was a fun time playing Warlock, just making deals as Warlocks do. But I don't know, something, there's a lot more enjoyment of being the DM and having a Warlock player, like in a similar situation, giving that ultimatum of, hey, you can either listen to your Warlock patron or you can side with the party in what you want to do or you can compromise. You know, the Warlock patron in this instance, I think Brian might have been there. But, like, the one Warlock player I did run a game for, Mr. Peter, as I've mentioned about a couple times now. Oh, Peter. It was kind of a similar ultimatum situation, except it wasn't, like, by the end of everything, this is what will happen. It's, you have a choice to make right now, and it may get a bit messy afterwards. I think I was there for that decision, I wasn't there for the fight that ensued once he chose Mm. his warlock patron, which was great, but also I think should pretty much only be done if the player is on board. And I think Peter is dug in enough to the warlock as a class to say like, Hey, yeah, I'm ready to throw caution into the wind for my warlock but it also kind of needs a little bit of planning on like, hey, are you okay? If your patient says like, hey, time is of the essence or like, hey, we got to go now. It's my way or the highway. And you're you're down to make that decision, Uh, which either could cost a party or it could cost your own life, more than likely your own life. But are you okay to make that decision? And I think that's where the, I guess in general, that decision as a dungeon master is a little dicey, but it's not dicey at all once you talk it over with your player, if that makes sense. Um, Once you say like, hey, how would you feel about this? And they say yes or no, or like enthusiastic answer or unenthusiastic answer, then you'll know your course of action. Yeah, this one was entirely uh, on the fly. You guys made a decision where it was like, I want to play right by what should happen here may have not been like, you know, most favorable outcome for everybody in that situation, but it was damn cool to go through with it till the end. But patrons are crazy characters that a DM has this really strange power play over one of your characters And it's always fun to see how they navigate through it and what they'll do for or against their patron. So last thing I wanted to ask is, do you have any general tips, general tips on running a warlock patron? I would say that my own are give a clear identity and personality to the patron, even if it is the personality and the identity in itself is being ambiguous or mysterious. It gives you a path to go on and how to conduct and inform your decisions as a dungeon master and how you go about the interactions with your warlock. And also, in my honest opinion, I don't super enjoy the mysterious aspect of like, 
who like I'm figuring out this guy, who is he? Because in my opinion, I think more than likely people would want to know who they're making a deal with. And I also think that these gods with a small G demigods or just like these high powers have enough moxie, enough pride to like show themselves and say like, Hey, I am this Sylvan Lord. Would you like to make a deal with me? And I I think there is enough there where you have these kind of haughty personalities to really say like, Hey, I am this dude. I want to make a deal with you. Here are the terms and agreements. You're either in or you are out from this massive power, but also like I had gained a little jurisdiction over your life. And so I wanted to ask you, Apart from my own, which would be have a clear identity, have a clear personality, even have some clear personal goals for the patron and some powers that they can bestow upon the warlock, whether they be rules as written with a Tome of Shadows or homebrewed powers that your warlock gets for that specific entity. What are your tips for running a warlock patron? I definitely agree with motive and who this thing is for like its personality what it looks like origins i guess you could say and what does it want those are like your two important questions there i disagree with like keeping it a mystery that's fine (laughs) (laughs) because i think as a dm if if you don't know what the patron is, then you have a fucking problem. You're just like, it's a mystery, guys. But if you have a clear idea of what it is, I would say never purposely and like forever keep it a secret until you want to reveal it. Have like little hints that they can kind of like peel back the curtain and see what's actually going on. So. Because we differ on this, and I don't have a very good answer, and you are in favor of keeping a little bit of a mystery about the patron, which I think is can be good. Don't get me wrong. I don't completely disagree with it. It's just not my style. How do you disclose these hints? And like, when are, when's good timing for it? You know, honestly, if they're searching out for something about their patron, you know, obviously have them like roll an ability check to find whatever they're looking for and if it's good enough not saying improvise but there's always going to be something that you can just like throw at them it's not going to be like here's what this entire being is what it's about what it's going to do how what days that it takes showers and stuff like that biography yeah but yeah just like a little appeal back of what it is that you're dealing with and honestly i feel like that would go along the mystery of what the fuck does this guy want with every patron that's involved you know i think that's probably the most intriguing part of a warlock patron is figuring out like the reasoning of what your patron wants you to do that like part where i talked about motive finding out that for warlock patrons probably like the easiest narrative point you can find you can either span it out through the entire campaign of what this entity wants, or, you know, they find that secret spy at level five and it's like, oh, okay. I have a decision to make with this guy coming up pretty soon. 
So what do you do if the warlock decides, hey, I'd rather go with my party or I'd rather go with more humane will or whatever ultimatum if you decide to give it as a warlock patron, aka as the dungeon master. If the warlock character basically says, hey, warlock patron, it's been cool and I've enjoyed your powers while they've, while they've lasted, but I think it's time to part ways because I am not willing to compromise my morals. I'm not willing to compromise my beliefs. I'm not willing to compromise the lives of my party to do your bidding. What do you do to that player? What consequences do they have? Where do they go from there to compromise with their in-game decision? Like, how does it rationalize within gameplay? I think there's a lot of options you can go with this. You know, one being, yeah, they're not going to give you that fucking power anymore. You're going to have to find it from somewhere else. And that means that that player is going to have to go on some mystical adventure seeking out some other sort of power or patron or something else entirely or you know you could have an instance where that power it belongs to them now the patron can't like return it so then they're gonna have an angry deity at their back they're not gonna gain more well maybe it's dm choice but yeah you're gonna have in most of the situations I think if you break a pact with a patron, none of them will be understanding by any means. But, you know, doing that is a is a big choice for a player to do in a campaign. I think I would agree with you that the the way that I would personally handle it would be the this investment of magic that the patron makes in the player character is unrefundable. So if the player is, hey, up yours, or like, I, I literally, I can't do that. You've put me in a, uh, a catch-22 situation, and I cannot pick your side, then I would say, like, that's fine. And all, honestly, great role-playing to not just say, yeah, I'm going to side with my patron because they're the source of my power, and I want to take more mm-hmm. levels in Warlock. But Say like, hey, that power is yours because the warlock bestowed their magic to you and it is yours to control and you've mastered it. And what you could do, I guess, would be to say like, hey, if you want to continue your gulak levels or great old one warlock, then you're going to have to find another great old one. So as opposed to Cthulhu, you could make a deal with Haster or... You could say like, hey, I'm done with Warlock. I'm going to pursue this other path of like being a fighter because I was a Hexblade. Or you could try to say, I'm going to try to master and fine tune the magic that was already bestowed to me and like continue taking those levels in Warlock and say more of like a sharpening of skills and exploring the manifestations of power that have already been given to you. And I think those would be logical ways within games to work it uh, without punishing a character, a player character for role-playing because honestly of all of the things in Dungeons and Dragons that I can think of, 
punishing a player character or a player for role-playing their character is one of the most disappointing things in the game. <laughs> At yeah. least that you can do as like refereeing the game. It's like if I play my character and like do what they would do and basically reaping a nerf or a deficiency because you did something good in a role-playing game of like acting out your character's heroism or their flaws that kind of (laughs) sucks yeah i would say you know that one option of the warlock loses every bit of power it gained from the patron is a hard one to deal with if you're gonna do that on the fly then maybe you've fucked up but by the end of what they're going to do next never just like all right for example i'll just become a fighter now don't put him at like level one fighter and level five dude yeah because even if they're a hexblade and they've kind of gone the melee archetype and stuff their prowess is not going to be with martial weapons and martial armor it's going to be with spells weaved in to their their blade and their fighting style that's going to make them and so that type of path of well actually now as opposed to being a fifth level warlock he's going to be a fifth level fighter or elegant or whatever you want to call it it feels a little bad and also it i don't know it, to me it's not as cash money as the kids would say i would say the choices you can make is either they have to find a new pact if they choose another uh, spell casting class you it's easy to find a reason why your warlock powers are staying with you even if you choose a cleric or something after that but if you know if they're planning on going down a martial path that's where it kind of gets confusing i'm not sure if i would give them back their entire warlock character levels honestly i would probably just kind of think about having that character maybe go off for a bit on a specific quest to gain levels in this martial class they're choosing. Okay, hear me out. Thanks to Tasha's cauldron of everything, what if they threw those levels that they had in Warlock into a martial class and then maybe like lost a level two here or there due to like discrepancy in basically spell weaving within their fighting style, actually having to, to learn the blade unassisted by a more powerful duty but they also get the eldritch adept feat i was thinking that yeah maybe even just keeping no i'd I'd definitely just give them the eldritch adept feat for maybe as many uh asi scores they've already invested in for your warlock but yeah that would be kind of a an easy way to complete that transfer of power from warlock to Weapon lock. <laughs> the the yeah the transition between a yeah. full caster and a complete martial class. So other than that, do you have any other um, sage advice that you would like to offer either warlock players or uh, more specifically warlock dungeon masters who are trying to maneuver through the entity that is warlock patrons? Plan out your warlock levels or else you you may just get a jumbled fuck of who knows what (laughs) that's like simple advice but helpful at the same time and for dms 
the patron is probably going to be one of your most important NPCs in the game. You're going to have to give it a lot of thought in what you want to like create with it. And if you're like running a module or something where, you know, you can't just homebrew this random thing, there's easy ways to like find something in that module already existing in the world to implement a patron for your character and fuck that makes it feel living and breathing like your that character is definitely part of the world that's going to be it for this episode of after session thanks for listening make sure to subscribe to be notified about the next episode and leave a rating on this one share your suggestions with me on twitter at brian mccatton one and we'll talk after next session rolls around see ya